commercial-free and on-demand the way it should be. So sign up today. Also, got a question, comment, feedback? I got plenty of that with our Scientology show last week. What a great one that was. It's available up right now for archive. Email us. We answer all of our mail, and uh, we love getting it. So you can contact jesse at mattishellinamerica.com. Of course, the Klugman, the master of this program, the man behind the mic, adam at mattishellinamerica.com. One more item of interest before we begin the truth journey today. Klugman has a speaking engagement coming up in Portland, in town, that everyone is going to want to attend which is a luncheon lecture series, and this is an interesting one. Um, it's at the Oregon area. I uh, know it's sorry. It's sponsored by the Oregon area Jewish committee, and it's entitled "Did Occupy Take Us to the Brink of an Unstoppable Human Evolution?" Very interesting title, I think. The date on that one is Wednesday, March twenty-first, coming up. Noon to 1.30, location law offices Miller-Nash, address 111 Southwest 5th. It's 15 bucks with lunch. You even get a lunch. I don't know what you get. Maybe you can even uh, request a kosher lunch. Can you get a kosher lunch? $5 per person, drinks only. Klugman talking about Occupy sometimes uh, gives me more hope for the Occupy group. Uh, if you're listening, occupiers, Klugman, is, if you want a leader, I know I t- he doesn't like being that role sometimes. I tell him he should be, though, because Occupy needs leadership, in my opinion. I've run into many a discussion about Occupy and what I've liked about their efforts and what I've disliked. And I see a lot of disorientation at this point, and I, I know they need leadership. And thank goodness people like Klugman uh, are the up. Uh, of the upper echelon, if you would say, within Occupy. Now, you know, sometimes concepts and new ideas are just too damn hard to fathom. When mainstream science reports new findings every year, we're amazed. We're reminded how much we still don't know about basically everything, right? The mind, the body, our planet, the universe, God. So once in a while, a person comes along with an incredible claim that puts folks on edge, especially when it's something that people don't want to be true or a concept that scares them. First reaction, usually to what? Debunk or discredit the messenger so that you can ease back into your lazy boy, go back to the Blazers game or family guy, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes these incredible claims are palatable. And okay, I'll give you a for instance. News report that chocolate is good for your spleen. Great. You're down with that, right? That's cool. Bring on the chocolate. Maybe it's a new species of giant single-cell organisms found deep off the coast of Chile by James Cameron in some high-tech sub. Cool, right? Sure. That's neat. Now, if it's deemed un-American, not cool. When if it's the U.S. is the war hawk nation and without inventing new wars, we would be damaging our economy on a drastic level. Not cool. Not cool. When if it's the 9-11 investigation was a wash 
and the real story has yet to be defined or explained. Not very cool at all, right? Get ready. Stay with me. When if it's a man claiming to have stumbled upon evidence of a cover-up surrounding a massive underground facility in New Mexico that has been working in secrecy for years with extraterrestrial entities. Not only not cool, but what the frack, right? Yes, my guest today is here to discuss just that and much more. His name is Anthony Sanchez. He's a software consultant for the state of California through his own company. He's been employed for 16 years as a software engineer. He's worked for 3Com, Intel, Acer, Netscape, HP, high-level software developer here, supporting scientific engineering and business intelligence projects. He's got a book out called UFO Highway. It's going to blow your mind. He's going to come on here and discuss it today. And it contains something called the Dulce Interview. Conducted in January of 2010, the data is backed by testimony from a retired U.S. Air Force colonel, a man provable through his personnel files retrieved from the National Personnel Records Center. This previously high reluctant source has finally come forward to reveal his personal involvement with something called DSD-3 the secret intelligence agency that operates the Dulce facility. Stay with me. He discusses in his book the, quote, 1940 Dulce discovery event, end quote, in which an elite team of U.S. Army soldiers from Muroc Army Airfield found a seven-level deep underground facility made from a series of natural caverns all retrofitted with technology beyond anything ever seen before. In addition to finally learning what was found taken and reverse engineered, we also learn of the cover-up to hide exactly who is still there deep underground in Dulce, New Mexico. Now, UFO Highway, which we're going to discuss today with our guest Anthony Sanchez, delivers on many other fronts within the UFO subject as well. He provides us with an extraordinary compilation of investigative research, interviews, science, which forces us to rethink our origins, our current role on Earth, and our future. Also included explosive research data about alien abduction, mutilation, and other significant areas of ufology research. Anthony discusses human-alien hybridization and so much more. Now breathe. Don't shut down. Don't go back to Kimmel or South Park or the game. Stay with me. You see, the thought process for most of the sheep is that E.T. is somewhere very, very far away. That's safe. In fact, mainstream science has come a long way with their opinion on E.T. Now mainstream physicists like Michio Kaku or Hawking will agree that E.T. definitely exists. Where they fall short is to go the extra step further in committing to the premise that E.T. may have been here long before us, as well as still having a permanent presence here. This is something that they are not ready to mentally process. That's okay, or consider. That's the real story here. What topics are the masses ready to handle, right? 
Trust me, D.C. think tanks assist the Beltway when deciding what we are ready to accept on a psychological level all the time. So today's show may seem like a War of the Worlds broadcast to some of you. And to others, an interview with an informative pioneer stepping forward to discuss a topic most don't want to be true. You don't want this to be true. An extraterrestrial presence and possible manipulation on our planet pre-humanoid and possibly post? Well, try to poke holes. Try to poke holes. This is the natural progression of acceptance. And I myself will do the same. We must have healthy scrutiny, but with open minds. So, coming up next, for your consideration, Mr. Anthony Sanchez, author of UFO Highway. Welcome to Mad as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. I'm Jesse Singer. Back in a minute. Don't go anywhere. Mad as Hell in America with Adam Klugman. Now on Portland's Progressive Talk, 620 KPOJ. Mad as Hell in America, Jesse Singer filling in for the Klugman for another week. It's my honor and pleasure. To serve for the man. Now on to our guest, Anthony Sanchez. I have to tell you, this is a friend of mine. I've met him a few times over the phone. And to me, the quality of the messenger is oh so important when you're discussing these kind of subjects, whether it be conspiracy, any sort, 9-11, JFK. It seems as though the JFK one's starting to fall off the map. 9-11 has replaced it to a certain degree. Um, Richard Gates here a number of weeks ago, quality messenger representing the architects for 9-11 freedom. What do they want? Just a new investigation. Why? Because these people happen to build these kind of structures and know that the way that the buildings came down don't fly with the explanation from the 9-11 commission. Not much to ask for, but still, there will be plenty of people to poke holes at a Richard Gage. Well, go for it. Same thing with a guy like Anthony Sanchez, a software consultant for the state of California through his own company, employed for 16 years at a software engineer working for 3Com, Intel, Acer, Netscape, you name it. Silicon Valley guy, just like I used to be. Okay, He's a family man, not somebody who necessarily even wanted this to be his M.O., but here he is, and he has to face a lot of scrutiny. Yours today, and hopefully healthy, and hopefully in a constructive manner. Let's get him on the line. Anthony, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thank you. Well, it's great to always have you on the program, and I know this is the first time that the Mad as Hell audience is getting to meet you, so welcome. Hey, thank you. It's an honor to be on the show. I'm really excited about it. Good. Now, I think I did a pretty good job, not to toot my own horn, on explaining what it is that you actually have done to a certain degree mm-hmm. with your book. Uh, of course, yeah. we're going to get into the details, but I think what's really important is let's just take a couple of minutes. Tell me about who Anthony Sanchez is prior to 
this interview going down, the famous interview now with, what, should I call him Commander X still? No, no, Colonel X, no, because Commander X is uh, a fictitious character from some other book, which was uh, loosely related to Dulcie. Uh, Colonel X is actually uh, somebody that I actually met and somebody who I actually vetted is actually a real person. Okay, fair um, enough. So tell us who Anthony Sanchez is and how it led up to you getting mixed up in all of this minutia. Yeah, um, I would say from 1989 on, I had a real strong interest in the whole UFO community. Um, when Norio Hayakawa came out uh, about that time, you know, he started organizing all these meetings and uh, and whatnot over in Rachel, Nevada, mm-hmm. you know, bringing attention to the the um, the work of people like uh, Bob Lazar, how John Lear was involved, uh, you know, the fact that the Lincoln County Nevada Sheriff's Department was, you know, totally interested in what the heck it was these guys were doing. Um, that's when I became really interested. I was only 19 years old at the time, but it was enough for me to say, hey, you know what, there's something going on over there. Um, yeah, I may be young, but I, I have a right to know what's going on over there, just like everybody else, just like these older guys that are risking their lives, you know, getting their heads buzzed by these black, you know, helicopters and whatnot. And it intrigued the heck out of me. It sure. really did. And I decided at that point, okay, I'm going to do something about this because I had my own personal experiences, which I never really spoke about with anybody um, prior to that, from the time that I was very young. Uh, and I just said, you know, there's something out there. There's something that the powers that be are not telling us about. And I want to take it upon myself to jump into the fray, you know, into the fray, and just say, you know what? Here I am. Let's do this. But what did I do? What? Who was I? What did I do? I never really wanted to stand out. I didn't want to be somebody who had, an, uh, you know, any type of recognition within the community. I just wanted to be a contributor. So for 20 years, you know, I created this archive of sorts. You know, my own records. You know, my own. You know, any interview, any, you know. The back of the old days, we had VCRs, anything that was on VHS. I mean, I cataloged it. I mean, in 1995, um, I remember watching Norio Hanakawa's, uh, you know, Secrets of Dreamland, you know, v, uh, VHS tape yes. a hundred times over. And I was, you know, you know, trying to li- listen to that data as carefully as I possibly could because I knew he was onto something. People were saying, oh, this guy's nuts, you know, talking about this Project Bluebeam thing and what the hell is this? Well, now, to, to clarify for the audience here, because, again, Anthony, we're, we're talking to some people that are being first exposed to these kind of concepts. The Dreamland uh, being short for what? Explain that to the audience. Area 51. Correct. Area 51, uh, which is right there adjacent to Rachel, Nevada. Rachel, Nevada has a, you know, for the, you know, the people, you know, out, even outside of the, the UFO community, they you know, they're very you know, well, you know, uh, you know, familiar with this uh, little alien. Not place. a great vacation spot, though. Not a great vacation spot, but, you know, <laughs> it, it has hit the mainstream. Um, I remember Larry King did an episode out there way back in the, you know, in the yes. early days. Uh, quite a few journalists have, you know, gone through Rachel, Nevada, because it's right there next to the uh, Area 51, uh, which is part of the uh, Nellis uh, test range. And um, anyhow, uh, yeah, so... That's what got me started. Um, okay, so when did you first learn about the possibility, because this obviously leads into your book, UFO Highway. Mm-hmm. Tell us about how you first learned about a possible underground facility located in Dulce, New Mexico. 
Okay, so I had already known about S4, and I had bought into the fact that there could be an S4 facility there at Area 51. In the mid to late 90s, uh, information started surfacing um, about this location called Dulce, New Mexico. Um, Phil Schneider was on the uh, lecture circuit at that time, prior, just prior to his own demise, uh, claiming to have been a, a person that was working under a geological specification or excuse me, classification there at Dulce, New Mexico. Um, while he was out and about, there were also, uh, I want to say writers. There were people that were writing about Dulce. Okay. Uh, one of them was Bruce Allen Walton, also known as Branton. Uh, there was Tel Levesque, who's also known as Jason. And what what Gitta. was there? What were the, what was the consensus? The consensus was is that there was an underground facility in northern New Mexico where there were reptilian aliens and gray aliens who were working in collusion with the United States military, specifically the military-industrial complex black projects, uh, you know, type, uh, you know, contractors. Now, you know, bef so before everybody, uh, you know, before we lose half the audience here, yeah, because, uh, yeah. let's let's back up for a second because. We're both Silicon Valley veterans. You're still yeah. working in that industry. Yeah, um, that's right. Hi, you're on the upper echelon of intelligence. I know this from facts. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to point out to people who don't understand that the desert, especially in Southern California, there is an underground world, is there not? There is yes, an there absolute is. underground universe underneath filled with railway systems, mm -hmm. places of connection, underground levels. And I, I just wanted to put that forth without even discussing Dulce. This is fact. You can look it up yourself, correct? Oh, yeah. Pico Rivera, um, all these places in Southern California, it's not it's not even hidden from the general public. It, 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 they, they make no bones about the fact that, yes, you know, a lot of these U.S. defense contractors um, – had, you know, as part of the, you know, the requirements for whatever project it was that they were working on, whether it be for the Naval Intelligence or the Air Force, were, you know, you know, expected to build these underground facilities. And yes, they had, you know, advanced railway systems connecting them to one another because they were shipping things of a very, very classified nature underground from one facility to another. So that's not that's not part of the whole conspiratorial alien type world. It's just a fact. And we're paying um, and and the people listening to this program are paying for it. That's right, because uh, Pico Rivera, which is Northrop Grumman, Northrop Grumman is being paid by the taxpayer for whatever projects that they develop for naval intelligence or, or the Air Force. So if they're working on some type of a, uh, of a weapon system, um, we're putting the bill for it. Right. So, so for everybody listening here who can't afford their rent and can't get a job or can't feed their families, know this. A lot of the tax money that you pay don't go to fixing the potholes in the roads. In fact, a huge chunk of money from our national budget each year goes to a black budget, meaning it's not under congressional oversight. That's where these things are funded. That's where this money is being spent. We have no oversight committee. That's why no one knows what is going on down there or if they're even paying attention to any kind of international or national laws. And when anybody within, you know, the Senate or Congress tries to, you know, you know, demand that there be some type of oversight or get involved, you know, uh, looking at, you know, you know, various budgets that pop up out of nowhere and are asking for billions of dollars, but they don't, they're not stating what for, you know, those individuals are quickly, you know, shut down. Absolutely. So, In fact, 
Just to add, and, and Tanner was, was smart enough to point out over in the control room uh, that Area 51 is on the top 10 places people are not allowed to visit, by the way. So, That's right. Uh, it, it's, it's a nickname is Dreamland, and that nickname was handed out, I believe, uh, it came about through people who would work there um, mm-hmm. because of the type of projects that go on there. Now, keep in mind, just to keep you abreast of the situation here before we get into Dulce, Area 51 is still there, folks. It's an enormous place. We're not going to go way deep into 51 today, but I can tell you this much. Just because you know it exists now does not mean you know anything about the place, what goes on there. The thousands of people that have worked at Area 51 throughout, I would say, 1940 to 2012 you could probably count, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Anthony, you could probably count on one hand how many people have come forward to talk about what kind of work they were involved with at the base, correct? Yeah, yeah. A couple of controversial characters, and then a few a few uh, people that are part of the Roadrunner Club who claim to have worked on some of the earlier uh, classified projects that are now declassified. But you're absolutely right. You know, the only two people that have really come forward are uh, Edgar Fouché and Bob Lazar, and again, you know, these are two enigmatic, you know, very, very ambiguous type individuals. You know, there's not much known about them. Uh, you know, Bob Lazar, you know, supposedly his entire past has been erased. Um, yet George Knapp, who's a respected, you know, journalist, uh, found evidence showing that the guy was actually a physicist listed in a, uh, you know, a directory there in Los Alamos. However, when they tried to, uh, you know, uh, follow up on that, you know, everybody was shine away from it. Nobody Absolutely. Wants to I, st- to him been there. I still think the Bob Lazar story is probably one of the, the most credible, if not one of the most interesting stories within ufology. Let's do this. Let's break. Uh, we got a little bit of a taste of who Anthony is. Like I said, quality of the messenger. Okay. I didn't get some kook for you. I got some Silicon Valley genius level guy who stumbled onto something magnificent and maniacal. Coming back after the break, Anthony Sanchez, UFO Highway. Let's do a deep dive into Dulce, New Mexico, underground bases. This is Matt as Hell in America, and I'm Jesse Singer. Time to get mad as hell in America. Adam Klugman is on Portland's Progressive Talk, 620 KPOJ. I told you that there are deep underground facilities right underneath you, perhaps maybe 50 miles south of you if you're out in SoCal, where there are clandestine things going on with no oversight, but you're paying for them. That sounds like something perfect for mad as hell. Well, my guest today, Mr. Sanchez, Anthony Sanchez, who wrote a book called UFO Highway, stumbled upon something that was miraculous, and it changed his life forever, and he's here to discuss it. One of the things I really want to get into is this 1940 Dulce discovery event where this base was uncovered. 
And actually, it doesn't seem like we built it, which is part of the frightening aspect to this subject. Anthony, welcome back. I think what we need to also explain to this audience is something that they don't want to look at, which is that a lot of the investigation work that you do and that I've done and other people in, within ufology and this subject, not only does the public not really want this to be true, but it's very, very dark, is it not? And there's a concerted effort to put people like us out of business, seriously. Um, I put this book together, UFO Highway, after I conducted this interview with this uh, retired uh, United States Air Force colonel. Next thing I know, I'm receiving bits and pieces of information, being told to go certain places. Um, then uh, Air Force, uh, you know, Office of Special Investigations uh, from Bill Air Force Base, the AFOSI, is paying me a visit. That's twice already um, that I've been harassed. So it's like... They don't want this type of information being put out there to the general public. The mass media, I believe, uh, to some extent, works in collusion with the government to shut this type of information down. I mean, just look at who owns the, the mass media. I'm talking about your big television networks. Um, you know, when, when, when you look deep enough, you'll find out that everybody uh, is working, you know, in collusion to, you know, to prevent this type of information to get to, from getting out to the general public. Well, especially yeah, it's especially it's when it's a topic that, like I said in the monologue, people don't want to be true. People do not want to believe that there are extraterrestrials possibly pulling the strings right. on our lives and that we live in a matrix, that we do not know what's going on. And yeah. if you just look at your body in the mirror or you look at the oceans and realize how much about our own bodies and our own planet that we don't know, uh, a lot of this information that you uncovered must have been incredibly frightening. So let's dive. Let's do the deep dive here. Tell me first how this Colonel X landed in your lap. Let's get granular here. How did it go down? In 2007, I was working at a major semiconductor firm. Um, a very, very well semiconductor firm. And most of the people that know of my work, they pretty much have already figured it out. I just don't want to get sued, so I don't want to say it on the radio. However, <clears throat> I met a gentleman there um, who was just working within a capacity that was just way below his educational, you know, uh, you know what, what his education merited. For instance, this guy had a master's in computer science, he had a doctorate in computer science, and yet he was doing like this low-level technician job. Anyway... I wasn't one to question, but I ended up making friends with the guy. Um, I was doing something called comp computational metrics analysis, which was taking in, you know, uh, you know, data, you know like, uh, uh, well, metrics, which is data about data, essentially, and, uh, you know, analyzing it and outputting it for this, this scientific contingent there at the company that I was at. Anyhow, this guy just showed up out of nowhere. We established this friendship, and uh, he had noticed that I had a blog there on my own personal server where I talked about, uh, you know, a lot of UFO subjects, a lot of, uh, you know, government conspiracy, uh, you know, type subject matter. And uh, one in particular was his uh, Human Origins uh, uh, blog that I had, which talked about, you know, the possibility of, of this uh, in human intervention theory, which just states that at some point in our past, some higher intelligence, you know, could have potentially genetically enhanced us, you know, augmenting our levels of intelligence, you know, uh, accelerating our level of uh, evolution and whatnot. And uh, I, I, by the that. way, I, I do believe that the ancient astronaut theory that Giorgio Tucolos has done an incredible job on History Channel of explaining 
and Chariots of the Gods, of course, really back up those claims. Yeah, and I'm actually going to be appearing with those guys in Minneapolis in October, so yeah. I'm going to have this unprecedented opportunity to talk to them firsthand, which is great. We're going to get to that, so continue. Yeah, so anyhow, uh, this guy and I struck up this friendship, and uh, we worked together for just a little over half a year. Uh, we had all these great conversations, and near the end of our relationship, he started feeding me bits and pieces of this project that he had worked on. Um, he told me that he had worked at Lockheed Martin and, and, and that he was working, uh, developing software for this telemetry, uh, telemetry type system or something to that effect. He really didn't, wouldn't go into it at that point. Um, one day I come into work, the guy's gone. And hmm. I ask, you know, management, oh, wow, where, you know, what happened to so and so? Right. Oh, he's not here anymore. And they're like, well, did he quit? Like, we don't know. He's just not here. And uh, all of his personal effects, everything were left behind. Hmm. Uh, there were no photos. There wasn't anything of a personal nature, but, you know, things that he needed for his job that were not belonging to the company. They didn't belong to the company. Expensive equipment and stuff. Um, anyhow, about a year after that, this is in June of 2008, I get a phone call at about, like, midnight. And uh, I know the exact date and everything, because I have it all documented. Um, I get a phone call from this guy. And uh, he ends up telling me quite a bit about the project that he worked on, told me he was AWOL, told me that he wasn't, in fact, English, that he was an American, and he was posing as an Englishman when he was working at this company. Oh, my God. Just, it just went, went on and on. With, and all the information that he provided was just of a shocking nature. Um, this guy in 2010 put me in contact with someone who claims to have worked at this facility in northern New Mexico. It was an underground facility called the Rio Arriba Scientific and Technological Underground Auxiliary. Um, he says that there was a, a, a government, uh, or excuse me, a, a proxy military in place that ran the facility. Now, there was, the facility consisted of three locations. Um, if, if your audience is not familiar with the Archelada Mesa, that's in northern New Mexico. And Mesa, in Spanish, translated to Spanish, means table. So this Mesa is like a, it's like a flat mountaintop, and it's, it's surrounded by this columnar basalt. And directly within and underneath that, uh, there are these massive you know, areas, uh, geological-type you know, uh, cavernous structures. Today, they're all covered up. But if you just drive around to the surrounding area and look at all the other mesas, guess what? They have these massive caverns and stuff. But for the most part, these kinds of places we're talking about, I've been out to Area 51. Uh, mm -hmm. th these places are in the middle of absolute nowhere. That's right. You feel it's like open. you're on Mars or something because there's nothing for miles. China Lake, you name it. Um, That's right. Edwards, Area 51. Now, Lockheed Martin, for people who don't know, this is how it works. There are black budget projects. There are things going on that they will funnel through this complex, this military industrial complex, and get these subcontractors, Lockheed Martin, to do their dirty work. Mm -hmm. And they will have them do these kinds of maniacal testing and other types of things and underground, and there's no oversight. And that's how they play this loophole game, just like stockbrokers do. So go ahead and continue. But it must have been very strange, this man coming up, but it's not very strange to a ufology follower because this is how information gets funneled. They can't go to Nightline. They can't mm -hmm. call Koppel or, or whoever's running the show right now. They can't go to Jon Stewart and hey, say, hey, I've got it. They go to Colbert, and they're just going to laugh at him. So they have to go That's to right. guys like you. That's right. 
Um, they knew that I was working on a book. My book was actually about Area 51 at the time. Ah. Uh, and it was actually about Area 51 and my whole uh, intervention theory, uh, this human origins theory, uh, work that I had research that I had been doing. It had nothing to do with Dulcie. Okay, but, but before we have to take a break, the point I want to make to this audience is, is that he was the conduit, this gentleman, mm-hmm. that put you in touch with this ex-colonel. That's right. And this is where this journey began for you, from a hobby to a belief system to all of a sudden investigative reporter and a hole. Talk about a rabbit hole. I mean, you've yeah, been right. through the you've been through a, a lot in the past few years. So yeah, let's, it goes deep. It goes very deep. Let's take a break. Very funny, Tanner. Um, when we come back, Anthony Sanchez, UFO Highway. If you haven't read this book. I say it. I said it to him last time I spoke to him. Probably one of the most important books in ufology in the past 20 years. Coming back after the break, we're going to go back into Dulce. What happened when Anthony met with the colonel? It's an amazing conversation, and I'm sure he didn't sleep that night and perhaps many nights after. We'll be right back. This is Mad as Hell in America. Mad as Hell in America. Now on 620 KPOJ. We're talking with Anthony Sanchez, author of UFO Highway, computer engineer, IT extraordinaire. You know, we're talking about extraterrestrials and people are thinking outer space. Stop thinking outer space and start thinking underground. That's the twist about this program that I find so interesting that blows people's minds is that this program, what we're discussing, has pretty much absolutely nothing to do with how extraterrestrials may have to cross vast distances of space and time to get here, which is one of the arguments of so many mainstream physicists. So we're back with Anthony Sanchez, and where we left off before we get to the top of the hour break, this man contacted you, he became a conduit that you were working with, to hook you up with a person named, we're going to call him Colonel X right now. Colonel X, that's This right. is a guy who wanted to spill his guts about some stuff, and because... You were a person of intelligence and in the right place at the right time, like so many other things. All of a sudden, you get this opportunity. How did it go down? Take us through what was going through your mind and where this all went down. Take it. So this, yeah, so this conduit, by the way, who, who I'm still in touch with today, incidentally, but this conduit, this person, um, contacted me, and uh, now in 2010, well, he contacted me and said, you know, I have this uh, individual that wants to meet with you. Um, he's a former, you know, he's military personnel, he's former military personnel, and uh, he has seen some of your work because uh, apparently the conduit has shared my work within the circles that he moves around in. And uh, I guess something that I wrote was compelling enough to make this individual want to get in touch with me through the conduit. He set up this uh, phone conversation initially, just a brief phone conversation. And uh, some of the things that I was told, you know, over the phone were enough to make me want to meet the guy in person. What was his voice like? What was your gut check when you spoke to him on the phone? And what part of the country, if you can say? Very authoritative, very authoritative. I knew that this guy had definitely been... So, you know, when you meet, like, law enforcement or military, mm-hmm. somebody who's been there, like a lifer, 
you know, they just got that air about them, that air that's a very, very confident air about them and, and the way they carry themselves. I mean, I had an uncle who was an E-9 in the, in the, in the Army. You know, he was an enlisted guy, but he was an E-9 or uh, E-9 for, what, 29 years. And you just, you just know when you talk to these individuals. Um, so I talked to this guy, and I got the sense, okay, this guy, he's, he's the real deal. He's not pulling my leg. He's not trying to, you know, joke around or whatever, you know, especially knowing that he had come through the conduit. Um, what did he okay. say? What did he say on this initial conversation? Give us a little bit of a taste of what tantalized you. Well, it had everything to do with the fact that some of the human origins work that I had done, where I had talked about the possibility of there being a specific group of individuals here on this planet who have a, ge a genetic marker that shows that there could be a difference in their in their genetic makeup that points to some type of either intervention or some type of like a genetic manipulation. Uh, something along those lines got him interested. A different strain of humanoid? Uh, yeah, we're talking about, you know, humans that uh, essentially have a genetic marker that shows that they are either part uh, something else or, you know, or just have been modified to appear as something else. So Anyhow. He, so he knew you were on the right track with some stuff. Exactly. So I ended up meeting with him. Uh, before we held this now famous interview, I ended up meeting with him in person at his office. He taught at a university here in Northern California. And you asked what part of the country it was here in Northern California. Okay. He taught at a university here. Um, I'm not at liberty to say which university, um, but uh, people can try and guess all they want. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say is it a private university? Is it a is it a public university? I'm not just not going to go there. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So I I met with him. I uh, got a little bit more you know information, and then I realized okay, this guy has some compelling stuff that needs to be documented. So I asked him if it was possible if I could make an audio you know transcript of our uh, conversation. Also, I had a friend who was a former law enforcement officer who was a polygraph examiner. And I said, look, we're going to go down, you know, a road here where I don't want to waste my time and I'm going to put my money into this, you know, uh, this polygraph examiner to make sure that, you know, you're absolutely who you say you are. By the way, and pretty much unprecedented for you to do that. So uh, hats off for, for th thinking straight. Well, let me tell you why I did that. I, I had known about Dennis Balthazar, who had had his leg pulled by these individuals who claimed to be uh, AFOSI, and they had pieces of, you know, you know, the crap that had crashed at Roswell, and this 10-year-long charade had taken place, charade had taken place between him and these other individuals, and uh, I didn't want that to happen to me. And I know that a lot of people in the apology, they end up you know, get meeting these unscrupulous type individuals who like to do these types, play these types of games. Well, I didn't want to fall for it. Anyhow, he agreed. Um, I had architected this set of questions uh, so that the polygraph examiner would not know exactly what we were talking about, but such that he knew, the colonel knew, that damn well it was about Dulcie. So he, he went through all of the questions and everything checked out. I mean, the guy was just, okay, he's telling the truth. And once I realized he was telling the truth, fine, we conducted this interview. Um, now, let's b before we get to the meat and potatoes of the interview, uh -huh. we're, we're, setting, we're setting this up here, obviously. Um, yeah. You travel to this man's residence for the interview, correct? That's right. Now, again, if you're listening, 
This is how this information is put forth by people who are afraid of losing their pensions if they're still involved with the military or ex-military. This is how people disseminate this information when they're scared for their lives and the lives of their families. And both Anthony and I have had experience with dealing. I know Balthazar. I know Norio. I know all these characters, as you know. These people have been threatened. They have been taken for joy rides mentally into all kinds of places to steer them away from the true facts. So you knowing that going into this with a healthy degree of skepticism and taking the extra step with the lie detector was something that really impressed me when we first met. I put all that together. Go uh ahead. No, go ahead. And not only that, but I also filed a standard form 180 to the National Personnel Records Center requesting his military discharge papers, and they stupidly sent them to me. And what was on them? There was a code showing, a 14N4 showing that he worked in intelligence, and also there was a location code for a Rio Ariba County. Now, here's what's, where's what's the problem. Rio Ariba County is Dulce, New Mexico. Dulce, New Mexico, is a, is a sovereign Native American country. It is the Hickoria Apache Reservation. So uh, there is no military presence in the Hickoria Apache Nation. I am personal friends with, with many of the families in the Hickoria Apache Nation. Get this. At the time that I was doing my research, I called Mrs. Sherry Vigil, or Vigil. It's the Spanish pronunciation is Vigil. She is an Apache. She works there for the Bureau of Indian Affairs. I called her and I asked her, is there any U.S. military presence there in Rio Riba County? For instance, is there a recruiting office? Right. Is there some type of like a like – Some, type of some like kind a, of outpost. Something, anything. And she told me not since the Calvary has there been – Not since the Calvary. <laughs> okay, hold on. We got a break. This is the top of the hour, so this is the long break. When we come back, if you're not intrigued enough, we're going to deep dive. We're going to get granular into what happened at this meeting. The information that was given to Anthony was amazing. And it's all in the book. UFO Highway, Anthony Sanchez, Colonel X coming back after the break and the news break. This is Jesse Singer. Open minds, sayers and doers. Which one are you? We'll be right back. We'll be right back.